Well, boys and girls, you may remember last week in our story of the, the secret of Paradise Cove that they actually discovered a, a uh, or, or two, two weeks ago, I mentioned that they had found at the end of this little lagoon an inlet that was covered that went back underneath the mountain. And they swam only about 100 yards, but wow, it was a huge cave. Then last week, we talked about the lighthouse, and they actually discovered the answer to that riddle and found a a door in the stone wall of this lighthouse. But what lies beyond that door? Let's find out today. Well, that night, after dinner, suddenly, all the lights in that huge camping mansion that they were staying in, went out. There was a little bit of a storm going on, but the lights went out. And they were gathering for their meeting that they had to cancel. And so Caleb is looking around for Jorge. You may remember him because he's the gentleman that oversees the electricity. And they've experienced this before. So Caleb's just wondering, what can we do? And he can't find him anywhere. Finally, after several hours, kids are already being sent to bed. He comes across Jorge. Jorge, hey, what happened? There there was no power. And he said, you know, Caleb, I am so sorry. I have checked our power sources. You might remember kids that they were having, they, they had solar power. They had wave generators. And he said, there should have been ample power. I don't know why there was no power for those last two hours or so. I am so sorry. But you know what? I've got a question for you, Caleb. I mean, you say you believe in God, but here's my question. How can a good God, who apparently you love and who loves you, why would he allow this to happen? Why would he allow the lights to go out when you're trying to minister to these young kids? And that's awesome. But why would he do that? And Caleb said, you know what? Let me just answer that question this way. And he says, I want you to try and guess what's in my pocket. So Jorge's kind of taken aback. You're going to answer my question, right? Yeah, I'm going to. What's in my pocket? And Jorge says, I don't know. Uh, Chewing gum. Nope. Um, I don't know. Keys. Okay, you're right, but what kind of key do I have in my pocket right here? Got my fingers on it. And he said, <laughs> I'll play along with your game. Uh, car keys. No car keys. Nope. Um, your house keys. Nope. Uh, keys to your bedroom door here. Nope. Got those, but those aren't the keys I'm talking about. And he, and he says, I don't know. What keys? He says, I've got keys in my pocket to Mr. Stevenson's upper, the the penthouse there, because he's letting me stay in his study. These keys right here. Now, I'm I'm saying this and using this as an illustration, and the man interrupts him. Wait a second. You have keys to his room where he and his wife stay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long story, but he's allowing me to use his study. But here's my point. 
And I want you to consider this. There is absolutely no way that you would have been able to guess what those keys were. Absolutely no way. But what if you had those keys and I were, to ab I were able to describe those keys to a T, but I had never seen what was inside your pocket? And he would say, well, you would have to be God to do that. Yeah, honestly, I would, because I can't, I can't see what's inside your pocket. But here's my point. Consider this, Jorge. Did you realize that over 700 years before Jesus came, God spoke through prophets, and they predicted what Jesus would be like. They predicted where he would be born, not just in Bethlehem, but Bethlehem Ephrata, so specific. He would tell about the miracles and this good news that the Messiah would preach. And that's exactly what Jesus did. It's an historical fact. He would also predict, like David did, this was about a thousand years, that his hands would be pierced as well as his feet. He also predicted that there would be two criminals crucified, one on each side of the Messiah, and that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Get a load of that. Now, how would they know these things 700 to 1,000 years before Jesus was even born, where he would be born, when he would, where, how he would die, the details of it. It even predicts in Amos 8 that the sun would be darkened at midday and people would mourn, as it were, for an only son, God's son, the only begotten. It also talks about how he would rise again in Isaiah 53. So I want to ask you, how would these people who said they were prophets speaking on God's behalf, how would they even begin to know these? There were over 300 prophecies that were predicted that Jesus fulfilled 300. I just listed a few of them. I'm going to suggest to you, Jorge, that God, God knows the future. And there is no way that these prophets could without his help. Let me tell you what else God knows or God knew. I want to read something here to you, and it's from 1 Peter chapter 2. This is what he says. Now, listen to this. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen it says here, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Did you realize that Jesus, death, crucifixion, all of this God knew, not just 700 to 1,000 years before it happened, but he knew before this world was even created. And he had a purpose in this. Now, here's my answer to your question. I don't have an answer to why God allowed the lights to go out. But what I do know is that it didn't catch God by surprise. He has an answer. And it is such a good answer. Maybe one day we'll figure it out. But for us to miss one evening is not a big deal. And God is still on the throne. And I want you to consider this, Jorge. Not only is there a God, but there is a God that knows your future and loves you and died for you.
Jorge looked at him, kind of grimaced a bit and said, touche. I'll think about that. Well, they went their separate ways. They had a great night's rest. In the morning, Caleb gathered his brother and sister and he said, hey, look, yesterday we had a chance to discover and understand this riddle. Today, about the same time, can we go back there? Do you guys have time to be able to go back? And let's find out what's behind that wall in the lighthouse. And they were all in agreement and excited. And of course, Lizzie, she loves these adventures. And she, and so 4.30, when everything's done, they follow that pathway. You remember all, whoops, you remember all the way here, all the way up winding to the lighthouse. And they push that stone just like they had before. And remember, the stone popped out and the door began to open up. And they pulled it open and they turned their lights on, all three of them, turned their lights on, looking down <coughs> down the, the winding stairs. And Caleb looked at him and he said, okay, guys, if this is anything like great-great-grandpa's caves and, and tunnels, we may come across booby traps. We'll have to see. And they walked down these winding stairs, and they found themselves in a room, probably, kids, about the size of your family room. I want you right now, kids, to just close your eyes, and I want you to look around in your mind, and, and you're right there in your family room. That's about how big this room is. But there was no exits, and guess what else? There was no treasure. They were so disappointed. They're looking around for some exit, some way out, nothing. And then suddenly David, who's staring at the wall with his flashlight, says, uh, hey, guys, you need to see this. And Lizzie and Caleb turn around and walk over, shining their flashlights on it too. And David said, this is a map. This is, guys, this is the map room. I mean, just like, right? Just like great-great-grandpa's. Remember? Underneath the shed there in his backyard? And if it is, and David turns and he flashes his light up towards the ceiling to his right, and guess what he finds? That's right. About a 12-inch long steel bar sticking out. And he said, guys, I've got to do it. And he, re he jumps up. Remember, as a kid, he had to stand on his brother's shoulder. I mean, he was only, what, 10 years old. And he, this time, he's tall, he jumps up, grabs it, and he yanks several times, bouncing up and down, and finally it comes down. And sure enough, a door in the wall opens up. And they're flashing their flashlights down this dark tunnel, wondering what lies ahead of them. Caleb looked at them both, and he said, are you guys ready? Let's go. They walked for about a mile down a sharp bend to the left until they came to a large cavern, it appeared. And they all gave a sigh of relief. No booby traps. But as they shined their lights around Caleb to his right, he discovered a door. But interestingly enough, there was no door handle and there was only a keyhole in a deadbolt. How odd. No door handle. And they're looking around, and David again says, uh, hey, guys, you might want to see this. And his light, some 50 yards away, was shining 
on a boat. Guys, we got to check this out. And as they drew closer, they realized that this was just no ordinary boat. This was a boat that looked maybe 200 or more years old. Their jaws dropped as they're flashing their lights around. Some torn sails and wood had been eaten through in certain places, sitting in water. Caleb said, guys, this has got to be where this cave that Lizzie and I discovered ends up. This is how the phantom always escaped as he went around this island. He came into the lagoon, into this inlet, but always covered their, the entrance into this inlet. This is it, guys. This is a pirate ship. Caleb looked up at him, excuse me, David looked up at him and he said, a pirate ship? Do you mean this is Captain John, this is Captain Avery Scott's pirate ship, the Phantom? And Caleb said, no, 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 not the, not the main ship, the Phantom. This is probably another one. The Phantom, that crashed and sunk off, the sh off a, an island uh, somewhere around here. But this is probably the ship that they used as a backup. Let me just show you a picture of this if I could, guys. All right? Let's see if we can bring this up. Now, you remember, this is the Phantom. It's a large ship, over 40 guns, all told. <clears throat> For a large galleon ship like this, it was the fastest in the Caribbean. But this is the one that they found. This right here is a schooner. Not nearly as many cannons, much shallower. It can go through shallow water, and it's faster. It just can't carry as many pirates or as much treasure. David says, well, look, guys, what if, what if the treasure is on board the ship? Caleb said, well, I don't know if that would be a good hiding place, but let's check it out. So they climb aboard with their flashlights shining all around. And they've checked like everywhere. And then suddenly they hear the door in the cavern open up, creaking open that heavy metal door opening. And in step, two men, two male voices they could hear. One called, come on, do we really have to check this out? And the guy says, the other voice says, yes, I definitely heard voices in here. We need to check this out. Because I tell you what, if some of the kids found this place, I'm taking them out. Come on. We're... Look, there are no kids in here. There's no possible way that they would be able to come through here and get into you. Come on, let's just leave. And the guy says, nope, I'm checking it out. I'm going to check the ship. Lizzie, David, and Caleb have ducked down, flashlights turned off, whispering, what if they find us? And all they could hear is the footsteps coming closer and closer as the flashlight is shining above them on the ship. Boys and girls, what is going to happen? What if they discover Caleb, David, and Lizzie? Why are they even there? Are they looking for the pirate's treasure too? We're going to have to find out next week.
Kids, I want you to think about something. You have a God who loves you so much. This is how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he knew even before he created all of man that man would sin. But God had a plan, and his plan was to rescue you from your sin. God had a plan to send his son Jesus, and he knew it all along. I want you to think about that, that God has a plan for your life, and it begins with Jesus Christ, who came to rescue you because he loved you so much, and he wants you to walk in that purpose that he has for you. That is the type of God we serve, a God of love. Amen. Well, I look forward to talking to you guys next week and sharing another part of this story. 